We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. The tour ratio. Okay, though. The tour ratio. Okay, though. What is the number one thing that you want black folks in particular to take away from this conversation and learn and taking their lives about money? I want them to learn that wealth and money requires your active participation. It's not just going to be enough. Like if you think to yourself, well, I just you know, work and, you know, I pay my bills. No, no. You have to actively participate in managing and maximizing your money because even if you do the bare bones of just budgeting and saving, you still might find yourself behind the eight ball when it's all said and done. Tiffany Alice, the budget nista, is here with her New York Times bestselling book, Get Good With Money. And for all of you who stress about finances and wonder how to take those dimes you're making and make it last and try to possibly build wealth, she has got the answers for you about budgeting, about debt, about saving, about investing, about taking what you're making and learning how to make more. And this is somebody who was dead broke after the recession of 2008 living with her parents and somehow built a multi-million dollar company out of teaching people. And her story is amazing. Her knowledge is super important. I highly recommend you listen to this entire episode because we get deep into how to make your money work for you. We get into my money issues and my money thoughts. So if you want half of this episode, Stay right here. You get that for free. If you want the whole thing, highly recommend you listen to it. Subscribe at patreon.com slash show for $5 a month. You get the full part of our Wednesday interviews and our Friday Patreon exclusives. It's a fantastic deal. It will help make you money if you listen to this and live it. It's Tiffany Alice, the budget nista on Torre Show. So, uh, Tiffany, your book is super important. Um, you address a lot of important issues. I want to talk to you about some, some about what most people should deal with and some I want to maybe get a little personal, right? Because I need help here too. Um, 
But I mean, first off, for a lot of these issues, when we talk about getting good with money and, and budgeting, there's a lot of feelings stress and anxiety that comes into it. So you're, I mean, a lot of times you're dealing with like cold, hard strategies for getting to where we want to go. But I think first we have to deal with just emotionally, how do we get folks, even adults who are like, yo, I got mortgage, I got kids, I got to get this straight to like, what, what, what is the mindset you want us to have so that we can deal with this stuff in an adult way? Well, I address that a lot inside Get Good With Money. Um, I call it seasoning the meat. Okay. Now, I know everybody doesn't season their meat, but you know, folk. We, we do. <laughs> we do. We do. Right? I like the sound of that. Right? And so, Yo, because... I watched this. I watched this Netflix documentary. I think it was salt, fat, sugar, acid. She used way more salt than I thought you could mm-hmm. use. And she was like professional chef. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, okay. I'm not going to get the sugar if I pour on salt, salt, salt. salt. Like, please continue. <laughs> so seasoning, because we know if you don't season your meat, then the outcome is not going to be quite what you'd like. So for me, seasoning your meat just means preparing your mind, your brain to receive, you know, like, because you're right, there are some tactical things, but none of that's going to take without preparing your mind. And so- and first, you have to admit to yourself that what you're truly feeling is shame. All of those things, the fear, the anxiety, the angst, it's just an extension of one of the worst humans emotions, um, human emotions that we can experience, which is shame, because shame is a liar. Shame doesn't say, hey, Tore, you made a mistake. Shame says you are a mistake. Shame says there's no solutions. Shame said it's just you. Nobody else is experiencing this. Shame says you ought to know better, even though no one taught you. Shame keeps you in the sunken place. And so it's addressing. But here's the thing that I've learned over time is that the true antidote to shame, really the only antidote to shame is voice. So it's the exact opposite. Speaking the thing, sharing the thing. Mom, honestly, I need to move back home because I lost my job. I overspent on my credit card. I'm drowning. Hubby, I never told you, but I spent up all of our money in our savings account. I don't know what we're going to do. Like, it's scary, but it's the only way you're going to really be able to, like, get past the shame. You have to give voice to it because no matter how many times I show you how to budget or save or automate, none of that's going to take if you are still swirling in the shame of it all. Some of it for me is forward looking like i don't blame myself because i feel justified in the purchases that i make i don't think i overspend i don't go to stores i don't go to barney's barney's does not exist anymore but i don't go to barney's and just buy like you know uh, but like that oh my god what are we gonna do Mm -hmm. feeling and like i remember getting specifically an amex bill to i remember this vividly two years ago mm-hmm. and looked at it and was like, Oh my God, this is way more than I thought. And mm-hmm. like the heart sink and like, Holy shit, what are we going to do? How mm-hmm. are we going to deal with this? And I'm calling them and they're like, so yeah, we can help you out with the payment plan, but that means you can't use the card until, and I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to do in that case? And, you know, I, I call my wife and she was able to be like, okay, I can hand you like, like we can get through this, mm-hmm. like, da, 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 da. and I'm like, and it, it can't, but I mean, just even that, like, uh, mm-hmm. God. 
<laughs> like that I'm afraid of all the time. Yes. That well, moment. that's the voice that you give to it, right? Because you called your wife. That was a safe space to express what you were feeling, you know, and she gave you free reign to say what you're feeling is okay, but there's also another side to this where we'll be okay. So I remember for me, it was, I'd lost everything during the great recession, which I don't know why they call it the great recession. Cause what is so great about it? Nothing great about it. Nothing great right? about it. It's a, it was a, make a return to the great depression, but that wasn't great either. Right? <laughs> it's even worse. They should have called it the even worse depression. So the great recession, I lost my job. I lost my retirement account, my savings account, everything. And um, I was hiding out. I'd moved back home at age 30 with my parents, which was great times. Let me tell you. Because they were just as strict as I was. They were they were when I was 15. Oh, no. Yes, which meant like a midnight curfew. My parents are Nigerian, so you can only imagine. Um, and so I remember like hiding out from my friends because I didn't want to tell them that I'd fallen from grace. I was the go-to girl for all things money in my friend group. And here she was broke with nothing. And my best friend final, finally like wrangled me on the phone. And she's like, what's wrong? And I was going to lie. But she heard my voice crack. And she was like, girl, what is wrong for real? So I burst into tears and told her, I don't need money, I lost everything, you know, just poured out. And she was like, well, I'm speaking to you from my mother's couch without a job as well. And credit card debt, girl, that's new to you. We've all been struggling with credit card debt. Student loans, take a look around. Everyone has student loans. So like your wife, she normalized that one, okay, you know, I can acknowledge how you're feeling, but also you're not the only one in this situation or circumstance and that there is another side to it. It'll be OK. I was just coaching someone the other day who is a mom. She's married. She's got two kids. And she just like felt like she was never going to dig her way out. And I asked her, I said, do you think in the history of human beings that there's ever been a mom with two kids and a husband and dead that dug her way out? And she was like, yeah, I was like, well. Like that's probably happened millions of times, meaning sometimes we're so self-centered. Yeah. My father used to tease me with this thing when we were kids, when if I brought home a B, which in Nigerian um, um, household is a C or D even. So I would bring home a B. He would say, ah, a B. You're happy about a B. I'm like, well, yeah. And he would always ask, did anybody in class get an A? And I have to be like, well, Tanya got an A. He said, oh, so Tanya must have two heads. And I was like, no. He said, because if she has two heads, that means she has two brains. That's the only way she could be smarter than you. That if A's are being given to regular kids, where is yours? It's the same with your finances, right? Even though I know you're like, well, I lost my retirement account and I have credit card debt. Well, has there ever been anyone in the history of this world that had credit card debt? Were they able to pay it off? Yes. Well, and that means it is a possibility. And although it might not be easy, it's possible and we will figure out a way. So that's why I try to get people to a place to realize that they are not unique in their situation and circumstance, even though they are unique. Owing money, struggling with money, having debt is not unique. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash 
all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. I think one thing that's um, particular to us as African-Americans is, and I totally understand this, is sort of wanting to shine, wanting to look good, which comes with the clothes, the jewelry, and the cars. And when I say jewelry, I'm not even talking about diamonds. Neither of us have diamonds, Mm -hmm. but we want to look good. You know, we're authors, we're known people, we want to look good. You know, I I recently, my mindset recently shifted. I think I've had four... BMWs in a row. Mm. And I finally said, you know what? The Volkswagen monthly note looks very sexy to me. <laughs> and getting another BMW and paying 500 a month does not look and I really don't care if I pull up and you're like, "Oh, he's in a BMW." Well, yeah, this costs 150 or two bills a month. I'm so thrilled about that. And this is new to me and just even like Looking at a store, wanting to buy something and going, that's $125. A share of Apple is $125. Mm-hmm. And in three years, it'll be worth $200. Like, mm-hmm. mm, you're losing. And this is this is new for me in the last like six months. But I think especially the car piece, right? Because we want to pull up in a nice car. Mm-hmm. But if we pull up, if we, if we care less about appearances, then mm-hmm. we can be actually better. Right. Yes. But it's difficult. Right. Because let's be real. If you want to go visit your doctor and he had a 1999 Toyota Camry with a missing hubcap, you'd be like, um, 
is everything okay, Doc? Because your your thinking is, is business okay? If business is not okay, is that because you're not a good doctor? There are certain professions and people that we judge. Unfortunately, like when I was a preschool teacher, I had a 1999 beat up Camry with a missing hubcap, but nobody cared. I was a preschool teacher. No one was expecting for me to pull up in a Mercedes Benz. But unfortunately, you know, um, we have set ourselves up and, you know, certain industries have set themselves up where you have to show up in a certain way for you to continue to be successful in that industry. So people in those industries have to get um, have to get clever with having to maintain some sort of appearance without making themselves broke. But it's unfortunate. Yes, and especially for us, right? Because any sort of professional, you're going to expect the black person is the lesser doctor, lawyer, financial advisor, what have you. Um, but I think our, I understand our need to shine in different ways. But if we can normalize the notion of like a hot popping IRA yeah. is the real goal and not driving a Lexus mm-hmm. um, or having a low car bill is the real goal and not pulling up and everyone being like, yo, he drives a Benz. Like, mm-hmm. like that would be super helpful to us. Because you have to have those conversations. Like, so me, I now, after years of working hard, I'm independently wealthy. If I didn't want to work anymore, I don't have to work anymore. Wow. And out of all of my friends, I have the smallest house. The, I mean, I have a nice house, but guess what? My house is paid off. My house is, well, I bought it cash with my husband, fully renovated it. We have another home that, that we rent out that's being renovated right now. I also had enough to pay off my parents' house a couple of years ago. I don't have any student loan debt, neither does my husband. We both have our cars and neither one of us has a car note. We are debt-free like toddlers. Now, wait, can you explain how you got to that? So how I got to that was through entrepreneurship. So I was up until the great, not so great recession, I was a preschool teacher, but I grew up in a household where I was taught about money. My father was a a, um, a CFP and a CFO, and he was um, he has his uh, master's in finance and his his bachelor's in economics. And I'm one of five girls. He and my mom brought us up teaching us literally about money in like an like um, an academic way. Like on Thursday nights, we had our money meetings along with like other family meeting stuff. So this is literally how you budget. This is literally how you save. Let's walk to the bank together. Let me show you how to open up a bank account. This is how you negotiate at the market. So we got actual lessons. And so it was normal for me. I didn't know other kids didn't get it. And it didn't click to me until college. And my college roommate had debt collectors that called our dorm room. And I was like, wait, what? That's a thing? So that was the first time that I exchanged what I knew with someone else because I was like, hmm. I told my father, like, there are debt collectors calling our dorm room. And he was like, this is what you do. So he told me, then I told her, and then it fixed it. And that's when like a light bulb went on. I was like, oh, wow, this transfer of financial education can really transform lives. So I became the go-to on my dorm, in my dorm. Like, if you have a financial question, ask Tiffany. And back then it was, if you asked me, I was just asking him. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take finance classes and I'm going to learn more on my own because I, this is fascinating to me because I love teaching and this is a way to teach, you know, not just myself, but my friends. So I love teaching. So I, I ended up like I got my, my degree in um, business and my master's in education, but I really loved kids. So I decided 
to become a, um, a, a, a school teacher which I thought I'd do forever, but I was still teaching my friends, the parents at my school. I like during nap time, they would come in and I would show them how to do their own taxes. And this, I, I worked in Newark, New Jersey, which is a very blackly black, black, black city, if you're not familiar. And um, and so the parents, a lot of them were low income. And so they would ask to borrow money and I'd be like, well, I can't do that, but I can show you how to save come during nap time. I can show you how to budget. I can show you how to stop, you know, like how to open up a bank account and not go into the check cashing place. So I just always thought this would be my life, like volunteer teaching financial education and but being an actual teacher teacher. Then the recession happened. I lost my job because we were a nonprofit based school. We lost our funding. And I didn't know what to do. I tried to save. I bought a condo in my 20s. I tried to save it with my savings and my retirement account. Lost all of that money. Um, moved back home with my parents. And as I was rebuilding myself, you know, like I was in this place of shame. Friends were reaching out and they're like, can you help me? I'm like, girl, I am broke as well. They're like, yeah, but you're broke, but you have knowledge. And I was like, true. So as I was figuring out how to rebuild, I would, a girlfriend would come over that weekend and literally for about two years, every weekend, there was someone at my house that as I was fixing myself, I was also showing them like, well, I don't know much, but this is what I do now. And one day my friend said, you should turn this into a business. I'm like helping people budget and save. That sounds dumb. And she said, well, what's dumber? You're about to run out of unemployment. And I'm like, this is true. And so, <laughs> so I tried to charge people, but charging people who don't have money doesn't work out. So instead, I partnered with some of the organizations. I did a lot of volunteer work with like the Boys and Girls Club and the um, United Way. So I reached out to them and the United Way hired me to write a financial literacy curriculum. And that was my first um, um, contract because I can offer my services for free to the community via classes and the United Way paid me. So it was like the perfect setup. So I did that for three years. And that's when social media really started to be used for more than just what did you eat for breakfast this morning? So I leaned into social media to get people to come to my class. So the United Way would continue to pay me. And the budget needs to really, really born. And since then, I've, you know, I have my own podcast, Brown Ambition. I started an online school and it just has done really well. Like last year, we hit our first eight figure year. We made just over $10 million. And so a chick is wealthy. Okay. Um, no, but, but it's <laughs> so the way the way that was brilliant, and I love your story. I feel like I'm gonna I love your story. I will totally invest in whatever you're doing. Um, so the way so you, you got from your parents' couch mm -hmm. to paying off your house and another house and your parents' house mm -hmm. via bringing in a lot of money through this service so, business, yes, through entrepreneurship. So, and also managing that money well. Because I didn't. So what did you do so, in terms of managing it? So um, it's even though, so in the beginning, maybe the first year I made like $15,000, it wasn't obviously enough to move out. Um, then when I made like my first 50,000, I still lived really simply and I just reinvested it back into the business. So I kept my income low and then I would use it to hire additional help. Like I'm going to hire an, um, an accountant. I'm going to hire... Um, uh, an admin to really build the business. And so as the business was making more, I learned not to absorb because I said, I can always take later. Let me reinvest back into the business, and which is what I did. Like, let me reinvest learning. How do I, how do I start an online school? 
You know, how do I become a better speaker? You know, how do I learn to write curriculum better? And so, and then I also use any excess money to start to pay down debt because I knew if my life was less expensive, the more money that I received, I could keep that money instead of like, you know, spending it on, um, on things that I owed. And so what happened was it took like, I want to say four, maybe five years to make six figures in business. So, because what happens is that the seed work it takes the longest amount of time, you know, so it took me a long time just to learn how to run a business. So it took like four or five years for me to just get to six figures in business, which really meant I took home probably 35 or maybe $40,000. And then two years after that, or three years after that, that a six figure year, I made my first seven figures in business because once you get that seed work and the seed pokes through the real grow, the growing, well, I won't say the real growing, but it starts to look like it's growing faster, but that's because you put a lot of seed work in. And then two years after that, that's when I was able to hit my first eight figures. What up, y'all? It's Torre, author of I Would Die For You, Why Prince Became an Icon. We're going to drop an epic eight-episode podcast about Prince called Who Was Prince, where we talk to his girlfriends, his musicians, his engineers, his managers, all sorts of people who were close to him to find out who he really was. Follow Who Was Prince wherever fine podcasts are streamed. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth Taylor. The first. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. So critically, you were uh, spending less than you were making. Yes. You were putting into the business before you were putting into yourself. Yes. Surely you were 
making investments and paying off the mortgage? No, I lost my house to foreclosure. Like, so that that, the condo that I purchased when I was 25, I'd lost it to foreclosure during the Great Recession. So I'd lost everything. I drained my retirement account in an effort to save that house. I drained my savings in an effort to save that with the condo. And I, I just, I couldn't. And knowing what I know now, I would not have done that, but I did not know. And so I made every mistake and it left me about $300,000 in debt. Credit card debt, $35,000. My master's cost me about $52,000 in student loan debt. And then my, my mortgage is about $220,000. So I was really dr- drowning. I was 30 and really drowning. And the only thing that was keeping me afloat was I was on unemployment and it was because it was the recession, just like now they've made a concession with unemployment, where if you're on unemployment now, you get an extra 300 bucks a month, I believe, right now. Well, back then, they weren't giving extra money away, but they allowed you to collect unemployment for an extended period of time. Normally, unemployment, you can collect for like a year. They allowed you to collect for two years. So that was my income while I tried to figure out this business called the Budget Nista. And as soon as that two years was up is when I got my contract with the United Way. And they were paying me about fifteen hundred bucks a month, and I was like, "Okay." I want to dig. In, I want to dig more into your your teaching, your ministry, your mm-hmm. knowledge. Um, but one thing that's coming up for me, hearing that story, um, when you're dating somebody, mm-hmm. having these kinds of conversations would be gauche, at least in the first ten dates. You don't really talk about money, but like this is wife material people like are you kidding to have your wife like develop a business develop herself into a ceo of an entrepreneurial venture and be like yeah so honey i brought in five million this year what you got (laughs) my husband still doesn't like so because when i met my husband i was actually i was a school teacher and he was the maintenance man of the building where i was a school teacher this is a movie. I know it was. We were in our 20s and I thought he was cute, but I had a boyfriend and he had a girlfriend. And so we were just cool. And then we reconnected again in my 30s. And by then I had built the budget needs to up, but I wasn't making a, a ton. We started dating. And then he said, you should move in because I was living in a room then because that's how simply I was living. Although I could afford to do more, I said, I'd much rather put the money back into the business. And so he said, move in with me. And he actually took care of all of the bills where I was like, I just worked on the budget Nista. And as a result, it gave me the space really to take it to the next level from the six figures a year to the seven figures a year. And so even now my husband is a super, so people look at me like my take home, I as, as Tiffany makes seven figures a year. And so my husband, you know, doesn't even make six figures. And so people are like, really, why are you with him? I'm like, are you kidding me? He created a space for me to like blossom and bloom. And he knew me as preschool teacher, Tiffany. And also too, he like, you know, if it wasn't for that, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe I probably would have figured it out, obviously, but having a space where you don't have to worry as much, you know, just makes all the difference. And two, the truth is his job has insurance that would cost an arm and a leg to pay for because he works for the city. So it's state insurance. Does he... I only ask this because I've seen other couples where this comes up. Does he have feelings about his wife out earning him by a lot? So I think at, at first, no, because I wasn't. And then um, I feel like he kind of has like a, I don't think I'm like, I always like, I'll remind him like, you know, baby, we're millionaires. And he's like, cause he's such a regular, regular, like 
grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Like literally, this is the project building where I used to live with my single mom, you know, raising me and my twin brother, my sister. And so it doesn't register, I can tell, because sometimes he'll say things like, what? $10? I'm not paying. We're not doing that. I'm like, we have it. <laughs> so it doesn't like, I can tell it doesn't register because we're still pretty simple. Like I've got a 2015 Lincoln MKZ and I think that car is cute. His is like a 2017 Lincoln that's paid off. So we're, st- we're, I'm still Tiffany from preschool. So I mean, I know he hears it, but I don't think it like really registers because we keep a lot of money in investment. So it's not like I'm keeping like a million dollars in our checking account, you know? So he's just like a regular guy. And I, I, I think sometimes it might, cause we'll talk about it. So sometimes he'll say like, you know, I don't want you to think that like I'm living off of you. I'm like, well, you're not because you work. You know, and even now the transition that we've put into place is I'm like, well, if you can manage because he's a super of 300 buildings, if you can manage these 300 buildings for the city of Newark, you can manage 10 properties of ours. So we've been starting to buy property. So that's the transition. So we're 40 now. And so by 45, he will have worked 25 years for the city. So we'll be able to take that juicy insurance with us. You know, where you don't have to pay for anything, like literally like I, I we're doing IVF and we probably have spent two to three hundred thousand dollars worth of IVF. But I haven't had to come out of pocket because that's how good his insurance is. I want to talk about some of your investments. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in I'm sure you're in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what are your number one, two companies that you're invested in? So I don't really like to invest in individual stocks, although I do have some Tesla, I do have some Apple, I do have some Amazon, you know, I call that as like kind of like play, you know, I'm more a ETF, um, mutual fund, like, you know, so I like um, the S&P 500, like, because most of these markets, well, not most of them, all markets go up over time. Right. So I'm yeah. just like a like a, a set it and and kind of like forget it. Like, you know, I I don't want to go for sexy stocks. Like so I in my like Robin Hood account, I might have some money swirling there, but I don't look at that as like um, retirement money. This is just, you know what? I'm going to put five hundred dollars toward that. Let's see what that does. You know, so, the, yeah, the the OK, this is interesting. This is a point that I disagree with a lot of. So a lot of a lot of financial professionals will will talk about. ETFs mm-hmm. and the the S and P five hundred isn't really an ETF and like yes the market will always go up mm-hmm. right and and over time I feel like what you want to do in stock market investing is to beat that return right that so I'm like if I'm in the I, and I I was one of the biggest regrets that I have I I, I was in the S and P five hundred for several years and mm-hmm. I was like this isn't growing fast enough. <laughs> I'm taking this out. I'm putting this in Apple and Microsoft and, uh, you know, and now I'm like, oh, that was dumb. You should have just let that sit where it was. But I feel like if you buy into a bundle, that bundle of 10 to 15 or 20 could never grow like one market leader could, right? Like an Apple, a a Tesla, a Microsoft, a Google, um, that could have over five to 10 years, a propulsive effect in a way that 
a group of five to 10 or 10 or 15 stocks, you're never going to get 15 that are all going to move up. Yes. Well, this is true. I guess I like my core investments to be boring. Okay. And then, then with the budget Nisa, that's my, I'm Apple. I'm, mm-hmm. you see what I mean? So, cause I have mm-hmm. gone from 1 million to 10 million in two years. I, for me, look, I, I remember reading, I don't know if you've ever read Delivering Happiness by Tony Hirsch, Tony Hirsch, mm-hmm. you know, rest in peace. So it's this, uh, so he was the founder of Zappos. Mm-hmm. You know, he was mm-hmm. a very young mm-hmm. billionaire. He recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, remember I remember distinctly reading that he didn't invest in stocks. And I remember being like blown away. And he just said he just didn't feel super comfortable that he invested in his business. And as a result, his business made him a billionaire. And I remember thinking, for me, there's nothing wrong with it, because you're you're right. That like I don't, I don't disapprove of anybody investing in individual stocks because yes, you're going to individual stocks when vetted and purchased you know, um, consistently, you will beat like, you know, whatever ETF or mutual fund, you know, but for me, I don't have the time or the interest to vet those, you know, aside from the obvious ones, you know, but so instead I have put my energy toward investing in business and we also now are investing in real estate. So what I tell people is that it's nice to have like this basic boring core, you know, that's why I have like for like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, it's not going to grow a whole lot, but I'm also going to see growth over time. And then then you get to decide where do you want to put your rocket ship investing? And for me, that's That's business because for me, I can see, you know, in the next five years, us going from the 10 million to 50 million. And so I much rather, if I'm going to spend time on the computer and doing my research, that's where I'm putting my energy into the budget Nista. So you like it boring per your own adjective. Mm-hmm. So you, are you into crypto or not really? Not really. A little bit. Like, you know, like I, I bought some a little while ago and then I shot cut because I had gotten it. And when crypto was like $1,500, which I thought was such big money back when I purchased it, I got scared and I sold it. I know. And I'm like, oh, my heart. I mean, I still have a little, little, little bit, but yeah, I'm not super into crypto. And I'm like, now at this point, I'm just like, I feel like the double dutcher. You're like, when do I, I, you know, like, (laughs) when do I jump in? So I'm like, you know what, Tiffany, you could, or I have some ideas for business that might be able to take that $50 million idea to a hundred million dollar idea. You know what? Let's do this. So that's how I choose. Mm -hmm. How many how many properties do you own? So we just, this one, we just moved into like two years ago. We have a, a second one. So that's being renovated and we're on the hunt now for our, our third and then fourth. I really, what I told my husband is I would like to have, instead of these individual properties, we should buy an apartment complex. So we don't have to buy like a ton of little properties. So that's what we're looking for. And that's what we've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's my goal for the next, three to four years. I want to have a bunch of places. I think about when you're 70, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? You really want to be like working and trying to write books and trying to come up with stuff or have like, here comes $5,000 from rent every month. Even if you don't get out of bed the whole month, because I own blah, blah, blah Mm -hmm. places. And that's, that's, I mean, that makes a lot more sense. Right. If we, if we can at all get to that. I would like for my money to become more boring the older I am. 
and real estate used to is more boring. Yeah. Well, it's one of the ways because because I know for for business, I do not want to be. I mean, I like this now, but I'm young, you know, but I don't want to like, you know, because even now, like I wrote this book, it's a New York Times bestseller now. So of course now they're like, when's your next one? I'm literally at the wedding and you're asking me when the baby's coming. I'm like, can I cut the cake? (laughs) No, 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 no. You made a successful iPhone and they're like, what are we going to do for iPhone? Yes, it is a lot. And so I, even now, like I have, like, like, you know, show offers and, uh, you know, and these are exciting and I'm going to lean in, but I know for sure I'm not going to want to work at this capacity, you know, honestly, maybe not even past 50. For more from Tiffany, join us over at patreon.com slash show. And there's a lot more great stuff that will help you make money in the long run. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle, Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Dr. Kina Murphy, Earl Dorsey, and Theotokis. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. And check out my newsletter, Black Minds Matter. Go to blackmindsmatter.substack.com. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we'll be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.